You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Anybody remember how to use their brake pedal? Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. I don't have much to add after that. All right. And John Curley. Hey, uh, racers. And Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Well, on today's show, we will recap the iRacing Daytona 500 and discuss some of the issues that have been raised. Find out if you have these bad habits in iRacing. See if you have the cars to experience the rain when it comes out. And is iRacing missing a huge opportunity with the winner of the Daytona 500? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. Is the Millbridge update? We have a post from iRacing featuring new pictures of Millbridge Speedway that will be released with the season two build. Well, not much of an infield, huh? It's a pretty small track. Yeah, it's it's teeny. I mean, they run. I think they, it's actually weekday racing that they do. So, um, you know, lots of uh, NASCAR guys, you know, families are racing there. So most of the stuff is done, I think, during the week, um, just because the guys aren't there on the weekends. I racing missed a big opportunity not using Casey Boat to advertise this track. She talks about it enough on the podcast. Well, and I don't think they've shown us anything about the um, what is it called? Midget? Micro Midget Smart. Mini Micro, right. Yeah, those are going to come fun. on that. that. Those will be fun to race on this. I mean, this is grassroots American racing right here. Right, and you want to start out in that micro sprint, John, and then work your way up, you know, to some of the bigger dirt cars. That's that's what I was saying last week is I feel like I just jumped into these big dirt cars, and I'm in over my head, really. Well, maybe this would be a good spot to start because I haven't turned a single lap in a dirt vehicle. Yeah, my first experience was was with the majors, and it was Knoxville, I think. it's um, It was a nightmare. Yeah, you were in, what, the 305 or 405 or something? It was one of the big ones with the wing that you could adjust. Those things, they're they are hard to handle if you if you don't do much uh, with the dirt tracks, man. I, I'm, I'm with Mike. I think the micro sprint is a great place to start on a track like this and let the dirt fly. All right, well, that's good news. Next, let's talk about some incidents. Incidentally... Uh, what was the deal with all the incidents? And um, I'm seeing this in Atlanta, too. The The tweet is from Benjamin A. White, and he says, So will an incidence of this ridiculous in-game glitch in a major split of RTP finally prompt iRacing to look into what it is and why it's happening? And it's, ju- it's just um, being really sensitive on the Forexes. Now, there was a video with this, but apparently um, the 
it says you're unable to view this post because the account owner limits who can view their post. So he's made, he's taking it private or something. So that kind of messed up my whole story here. But the reason we were looking at this video was it was a really, you know, bad incident of the net code kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw one where a guy literally looked like he got slam drafted, like in the old days when there was a where there was a still at least a foot or two between them as they were drafting. The lead car just got shoved out with nothing touching him. Now I think I remember this video. Now I think it was Road to Pro. It was a trucks, and he came up like kind of next to the guy in front of him, or or closer to the car in front of him. And his whole front end of the NASCAR truck fell off to the ground. And it looked like he had net coded to the guy in front of him and it totally destroyed his truck. Well, we've got a link to a forum post right underneath this that's got a kind of a recap of Daytona. Um, and the screenshot they've got is, I guess, one of the splits. But the number of incidents is just, it's maddening. Um, you know, I know, Mike, you got, I guess, what, DQ'd because of all of yours for the 500. Oh yeah, the there was a lot of checkups, and we'll talk about that. But I think, yeah, the four X's are really easy to get at the last uh, couple of weeks. Right into the next video, um, David stepped off. Uh, it's the funny moodhead guy um, calling a race at a at a restrictor plate track, and he said they they just wrecked so hard it broke my eye racing. So the whole field uh, wrecks, and basically. Um, his screen freezes, you know, it, it, like frozen solid uh, once they they hit the big pile up. And it's kind of funny to hear his reaction to it. I imagine this guy could probably make a uh, a turtle race sound exciting. Well, he's got that Southern California drawl and kind of a yelling, you know, attitude about it. And so, yeah, it, it, it's uh, NASCAR funny if you if there is such a thing. All right, well, let's jump on to the UK track uh, speculation. What'd you guys think of this? So we have Overtake GG asked the question of which UK tracks uh, are coming um, or, or could be scanned. Remember in the Greg Hill uh, dissertation, as I'll call it, he indicated that they will be going to the UK to scan two tracks. And so here's the the speculation about, well, well, which ones are they? My guess would probably be either Thruxton or Croft. Um, you know, the article talks about, I guess, the Top Gear test track, which I just can't see happening. And I guess a good uh, Goodwood Hill Climb or whatever. I'm not sure that there'd be a huge uh, demand for that, personally. I mean, the Goodwill Hill Climb, is that a point-to-point kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much the... Uh, what is it? Mount Washington gets used outside of a, you know, I guess a time trial thing periodically, like they ran, I guess, a month or two ago. Yeah, I mean, that is our only point to point. But you're right. When you think about point to point racing, you know, the Goodwill Hill Climb is not at the top of the list. You know, you're you're thinking Rallycross, you're thinking Norway, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, Pikes Peak or something like that. So, yeah, I don't like I said, my guess would probably be Thruxton or Croft. Um, pretty decent circuits from a club's aspect. Um, probably be good for some of those entry level um, open wheel cars. 
All right, John, tell us about the Daytona 500 statistics. Yeah, so they've uh, they've posted the statistics from the Daytona 500. Um, you know how many how many people were in it, uh, how many laps they did, and uh, looks like we had. Whoops, I've just lost my preview here. Ah, here we go. All right, Daytona 500. They've posted the uh, results of how many people uh, were in the race, and somebody's going to have to take it because something's just happened to my uh, show notes here. 367 races with 13,000 driver entries, 2 million laps. That's, that's pretty uh, impressive. We were talking in the chat, I think the 13,000 number, that's driver entry. So that so when I go and run the Daytona 500 four times, then I'm four of that number, of that 13,000 number. Yeah, I think that would be the way to take it. Um, still, I mean, I think huge numbers. I have no idea what it was last year. Anybody have an idea? Um, I don't, but I bet we talked about it on this show. <laughs> I, we should probably go back and listen to it, but... Yeah, it's a big number. If you try to, you know, divide that out by, you know, what's the average uh, oval iRacer running? You know, are they going to run it twice, three times? You know, you're, 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 it's a, still a nice number. It's several thousand people. And so, uh, you know, I think Sunday night was probably the biggest one. Do you remember the uh, number? I think it was 1,800 registered. Well, how many, what is it, about 30, yeah. 35% per split? It got close to 200 on, uh, or 2000 on Friday night too. Yeah. So those were the numbers. I think it was like 1800 on Sunday fixed. Um, and you're, you're right. Probably approaching 2000 on the a Wednesday or Friday. Well, we had the real day 2500 this weekend as well. And Mr. I racing himself or one of them is the winner. And we have a Instagram, I guess, where he's discussing, uh, how he started in iRacing. Yeah, this is him on one of the the big TV shows that they run during the day. Uh, I think it's a Kelly Ripa and his, and her husband and uh, on the Kelly Ripa show or whatever. And so they're talking about you know his how he got into sim racing and that showed he was interested and and that's how he decided to go real racing. Blah blah blah. And so anyway, the the the. Uh, the male uh, counterpart of the couple was very interested. Obviously, he's done his own uh, sim racing, and it's kind of a neat clip. Additionally, he posted himself a uh, straight-out-of-the-computer tweet where it shows him putting on a headset and then afterwards the, the winning car. So, you know, I would like to kind of maybe discuss this a little bit because I think everybody – takes us a bit to the extreme like William Byron just got out of his sim rig and went to work for Hendrick Motorsports or Junior Motorsports did he have an, an abnormal start yes but he was in cars early still I mean you, you, it's not like he you know just went from the bedroom to <laughs> to driving on a, on, a, on a NASCAR track good point and so a lot of you know people who aren't watching racing they get that impression and 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 I guess to Brad's point is is it fair that the marketing people and stuff are putting that impression out there because it is being put out there um, that it's really that simple, but it in fact it, like you said it isn't. 
Well, it's that hard to be the best at i and even at iRacing too. I mean, you we can get on there, but how many of us can actually get into Coke, and then how many can win in Coke? Oh no, I I agree a hundred percent. You know, like I said, I just I think that gets you know missed that he did. You know, he went and ran. You know, I don't know if he, he ran uh, not Bandoleros, but help me out. Late models and stuff, right? Yeah, before that, he was running. Uh, oh, for gosh sakes. Legends and. Legends, thank I you. Think it was Legends. Yeah, yeah. Legends and, and stuff like that. So, but yes, he started sim racing, and, and parents saw that he had a, a desire to do it. And like most parents, they, you know, if they can if they can afford it, they try to, to do that. And he's good. I'm not taking that away from him. Um, but, you know, he did. Yeah, he still followed somewhat of a traditional path, just was late to the game. I mean, he was in his teens when he started, which is that used to be somewhat of the normal thing years ago i mean if you think back go back to the 80s and even even the early 90s you know guys didn't get to the cup level until they were in their 30s well i think too i mean this is just another example of the next generation of drivers is here i mean the the, the tony stewart's and the matt kenseth and the dale you know those guys they didn't get their start you know where they were in the car early as a kid, but they were also in the sim early as a kid and, and that kind of stuff. So it's just different these days. And, you know, I, I uh, applaud William for embracing it, you know, to, to get iRacing a name out there. That's cool. I'm glad that he does such a thing. Now to take it to the next level, we have a guy named Brett Griffin. Let me, let me jump in just with one last point uh, with, with Brad's point. He he, he kind of came in late, but what's what's happening now is to if you have to have money when you're like five and start then, whereas what's replacing that is you can kind of get raised a little bit in eye racing and, and cover some of those early local stages and jump straight to late models instead of having to come all the way up from racing little midgets when you're when you're six years old and such. So. That's that, and then Roger's taking the same route. He he's driven late models. He didn't jump straight to a truck, right? So they're 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 starting a little further down the ladder when they get in the real car, instead of being instead of racing from six years on on on. Okay, and so moving on uh, to that, I actually tweeted Mike Ellis uh, late um, the twenty first. Hey, sounds like he's calling you out, Steve Myers. And it was in response to Brett Griffin, the uh, former sponsor, uh, spotter and uh, DBC podcast host. Uh, he said this, quote, if iRacing isn't a primary sponsor on the 24 this season, it will be the biggest marketing fail and cheapskate move ever in all of NASCAR. And the 24 has races available, tag at iRacing. And William should never credit them for his background ever again. Yeah, I don't think Steve Myers liked that because he, he responded to that. He said, well, that's his opinion. We've always taken the approach that those dollars are more valuable to us and our customers spent on making our product better. We are lucky to have ownership that allows us to reinvest our profits into the business, making it stronger for the future. So I, I think that's a no. I love the response. Oh man, that is great, isn't it? It's okay. So uh, the couple things that he says there, like, first of all, this is not really a, a for-profit venture. I mean, he basically just says that everything is being reinvested back into the product. 
more more staff you know better better graphics better everything better data centers you know so i just love it when iRacing says stuff like that um, they're not driven by the bottom line like all these uh, you know corporate greed companies you know all of them are that way now and so iRacing is not that way and that is very very refreshing but i guess on the other hand what would we feel like if our hard-earned money that we spend on iRacing every month millions and millions of it went to sponsor a car you know on the nascar schedule one or two races i mean what a waste of money and that's a whole different jump than sponsoring late models yes yeah i mean i can tell you the company i work for spent 10 years you know sponsoring nascar and you know after 10 years the the, the it had run its course and for us as a company you know we, we're now involved with the nba because when it comes to any sort of sponsorship it's all it's all about um, you know, the contacts and the stuff that you get, whether it's, you know, it, look, I, it, I love NASCAR. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to spending your money, you know, we were sponsoring races and you sponsor six races a year. That's six weekends where your name is out there. We switched to the NBA. We sponsor six teams. And now what does the NBA have? 70, 80 games. So it's a dollars, you know, versus the amount of exposure you're going to get. Uh, and iRacing does spend money in, in racing. Um, you know, watching the Daytona 500, you know, at one of the points during the race, the the standings, you know, it was iRacing right up at the top. So um, they invest a lot of money in the E-NASCAR series. So, um, you know, I like Brett. I like the points that he offers sometimes, but sometimes his bloviating is just wrong. You can see um, Dale Jr.'s response, John, um, to Brett Griffin's he put up a, a a meme or something. I forget what it said. It was funny though. Yeah, and, and that's not showing up in my uh, feed here for some reason. But you know, I I got to tell you, and I don't want to get too far off, but like a lot of people, I watched the Daytona 500, and some of that corporate sponsorship just turns me off so much. I mean, the the car manufacturers were mentioned so many times during that race. I will never buy one of those three cars again in my life. So I'm glad that they're that iRacing is not going to do it. Here's the Dale Jr. tweet. It it's, uh, it says, "Why are you the way that you are?" <laughs> I, does he remember that Dale is on iRacing's board? It's not a good use of our of of a money for a iRacing like you said they are selectively spending they're doing some advertising and look people that watch NASCAR they've heard about iRacing in the last two weeks and that's free advertising thank you William Byron you know thank you you know Fox Sports and whoever else talks about it it's almost like he's saying pay after after the fact you know I think you know you hear Mike Joyce talk about it and it's video game game you know and that kind of annoys me but still well speaking of the investing in the software the big patch is coming soon and we've got information on what cars might be available when tempest comes out i think i think it's more than might all right tell us about it brad yep so we had a uh, instagram post from my racing with uh, screenshots of the um the vehicles that when the patch drops uh will be available uh to drive in the rain so uh we talked last week i think we kind of went through this a little bit you're gonna have a uh, uh, basically the imsa series so you're gonna have the the six uh, gt3 cars along with the four gtps um 
uh, let's see. Oh, and the LMP2. The, yep, the LMP2. Um, you're going to have uh, what is the FIAF4. Yep, FIAF4. The um, the Ray, the F, was it 1600? It's really small. I don't have my glasses on. The uh, Toyota GR6, GR8. So, I mean, I, again, nothing. I think we were all surprised that the M series was in there. That's what surprised me because I don't think anybody was expecting that, you know, from what was originally talked about back in December. Well, it's interesting that they got to that before the the formula cars. And, I, and of course, IndyCar was a really late coming back to the game. But IMSA is the biggest thing, I think. IMSA and WEC, you have to say, are the biggest thing on iRacing. As big as we, as big as we are under the NASCAR side, um, when I sign on every day when I get on an IMSA race, there's two to 300 people registered every two hours. And you don't see that in the NA Open. Nope. Nope. Again, you get the, it's the, the worldwide stuff. I mean, we've talked before and you look at probably just at members alone in Europe is, I think, you know, pretty much, uh, just drowns out the U S now week 13. I'm kind of envisioning, Hey, I, I, I want to jump in and try this new rain. Are there going to be week 13 series with these cars for us to try that? I mean, I certainly hope so. Cause if not, I'm, I was thinking, okay, then I'm going to be banking an AI race right off the bat an IMSA, you know, Sebring in the rain AI race. Well, they have never not included the new features in the week 13 stuff. Yeah. I mean, he said in the, uh, the, the mid season update that there would be, I think, you know, content in week 13 so that you could get your hands, you know, get, get, get a, get a test of, of what it's like now, which series that is that that's to see, but, uh, I, I think you'll definitely get your fill of rain. Yeah. And get that question answered. Will it lower my FPS? Will I have to change my graphic settings? I think everyone's worried about that. All right, you heard me fussing about this if you were in my NIS race last night. Stay on the apron, John. So this is a video from the E-Racing Association race at Daytona. And there was a guy, you know, classic lapper. He's, he's down on the apron going into, I think it's turn three. And as the lead pack is coming by him, what does he do? He shoots up onto the track from the apron and caused the big one took out I mean, it was the big one probably 14 15 cars uh and of course you know everybody's uh you know on x they're saying i hope he got suspended what a bonehead and so on and so on but man we i i i don't want to say i feel bad for the guy but he was trying to stay off the track and he just didn't slow down enough and went back and took people out Okay, so there's this guy named Kevin LePage. Have you that's heard what of I him? yeah. That's I was looking. I was sitting there going, "Man, what is the guy? What what was his name?" I was like, "Derek Hope." No, it's not Derek Hope. <laughs> Kevin LePage, exactly. Coming out of the pits, blends right up into the pack. It just it was horrible. Well, look, this guy wasn't trying to blend into the pack. He was just forty miles an hour too fast going into the apron at the turn. Yeah. And so it just automatically went up the banking and took out the pack. And anyway, yeah, it reminds me of Kevin LePage. Uh, you know, look, I kind of feel sorry for the guy because if you don't know, if you've never been in that circumstance, it can happen to you. I mean, because you don't realize what the speed is because you're used to it being real fast going in there. And then you, you don't think, oh, I'm going to be on the flat if I'm going to be out of the way. And uh, I should have slowed down about 300 yards ago.
but in this this race is not like rookies i would assume this is maybe what an invite only league or something this is a buy-in so look at the second video four thousand dollars this guy won and so they show the final lap of him uh winning the race and his uh victory and his yelling and screaming and stuff at the end is priceless i mean obviously he's obviously very stoked he won the money now did you see the did you see logan clavin's reply to this tweet greg posted it was that david i'm sorry logan clampin ripped into the into this league pretty hard actually in a reply well i think he got caught up in that uh kevin lepage incident <laughs> <laughs> and and he like obviously he paid them the race and yeah you know you'd be upset too but yeah you're right logan did have a nice little reply to the league about their officiating it just reminds me of what it's like to run in most leagues especially if they try to enforce their own rules because he was he was saying that they give out penalties for driving through too many boxes but are less worried about people causing wrecks like this so that i thought that was interesting well, Twitter and uh, motorsports are kind of a, a neat mix. Like you get, you know, you're hot off these events or you get wrecked out. You jump on the Twitter, you, you put out some heated comments and yeah, I love it. Well, the most frustrating thing is that, that there's just never real consequences when you, for stupidity. Right, they'll get you for saying mean things. It's kind of, it's kind of like uh, with a certain politician. They don't like you because they don't like you because you say mean things. But when you do mean things, as long as you didn't do them intentionally, you're okay. How about that guy's victory lane scream? It's genuine, that's for sure. Pretty cool. Cody Meagles is the guy who won the Omega Cup Spring Bowl. All right, this next uh, one I already referred to. It's another X post. And it's the speed boost that I was talking about. If you watch it, the guys just in a, we're in a normal drafting situation. The car is nowhere near the other car. And then suddenly there's this delayed bump. Like he's got slammed. It manages to not cause a wreck. He managed to hold onto it, but it looks like he got hit by a car going 10 miles an hour faster, 10 to 20 miles an hour faster. Right. Like a big hit. Like it really pushed him out there. Like he was really lucky to save it. I think there's, and I said this the first night of the Daytona 500, I said over the radio to you guys, this something's different. Something is different with the front to nose contacts and I can tell. And that night I actually had so many incidents. I, I had a problem and uh, because of those kind of situations, it just raced differently. And, and then you see videos like this, you're like, wow, okay, well that kind of, coincides with what i was feeling he was shoved over two car links out in front of the car that was pushing him and he was the leader Very, yeah that was extreme yeah i didn't i didn't uh you know anticipate you know feel anything like that but that is interesting well we talked about the incidents and i mean i know a bunch of us ran atlanta last night and the, the incidents are still just as bad um you know, it's just the four X's from what would be normally, I think, casual contact to the to the to a bumper. Uh, something needs to get done because there's no reason for guys to end up with 20 and 24 incidents just from from bump drafting. Well, I notice it seems like at Daytona and it's happening in Atlanta, uh, I think very, very little contact gives you four X. 
and I, I'm with Mike, something has changed. Don't know what it is, but there is something different about uh, damage and, and what's happening to the cars with just a little bit of contact. Agreed. I mean, my teammate Tyler Williamson and I um, had contact last night, and it was very, very slight. I mean, it wasn't even a, hardly a touch, and it was a 4X. And it's just like, come on. All right, we can cover the Tag Warrior Series next. It looks like Job has taken the sprint race victory while Webster grabs the feature win. Tell us a little bit more, Mike. Yeah, Job, wow, he maintains the point gap. He wins his third straight pole, his fourth straight victory in the sprint race. Um, he followed that up with seventh in the feature, though, and then his teammate Cooper Webster uh, got the win. But uh, Job's having pretty good year, uh, with a fantastic start. I mean, he's got a bunch of nice finishes in the bag. So let's see if he can hold it. He's currently sitting with a fifty-point lead uh, in the points. And this is not like uh, the Dirt Series where you can miss the feature and really take a hard hit. How about the uh, picture, Brad, on the next one? Speaking of iRacing and sponsorships. There you go. So, had a uh, Facebook post uh, from iRacing Stoller Hudson showing off his fresh livery for his uh, dirt late model. So, great looking car. Um, again, yes, Tyler works for iRacing, but I'm sure he's not doing it for free either. So, you know, iRacing does spend money. Um, yeah, good looking car. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll get replicated in the sim somewhere. Look, it takes money to go dirt late model racing. You got to buy tires and fuel and everything else, you know, maybe pace uh, crew members and stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, iRacing is absolutely spending money on this. You know, I, I don't imagine they're just adding it to his paycheck, but yeah, they're, they're footing, footing the bill. They're on the, the car as a, a primary. And you can see he does have some. Other sponsorship on the car, though. I do see uh, two or three other uh, minor sponsors, and um, so that's great. Uh, good luck to Tyler. The car looks great. Love the black underlay uh, with the white eye racing on top of that. It's kind of a neat look. I want that, uh, that that side panel that's hanging back up there in the top. That looked great in my basement. Oh, from his old car? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a new setup shop, though they look to be mostly road-centric. They're called Race Clutch. Tell us a little bit more, John. Yeah, so RaceClutchCenter.com is launching a, uh, a setup shop, basically. And it is. It's, it's you know, it's a road course. They're doing the F1s, WRCs, R-Factor 2, Le Mans Ultimate, and iRacing setups. Uh, the iRacing setups are not live on the site yet. Uh, so I, 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 you know, this is kind of their, their promo. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a new shop. They've got different services, you know, I think they're going to do coaching. Uh, so it's, it's a site to check out race, raceclutchcenter.com. Well, from what I hear, all they'll have to do for Lamon ultimate, which is coming soon is transfer their R factor two sets over. Well, it's never mind. So we, well, since you bring it up, I mean, there was a warning of, about SemiCube and the Lamont Ultimate. If you have a SemiCube, you have to invert your force feedback because it's ass backwards. 
Yeah, I mean, there's uh, I've got some magic, and there's an option I can invert mine too. So uh, I think that's I think it's customary on the wheels themselves where you can invert it. But uh, yeah, uh, that would suck. I think the uh, the tweet or whatever said I guess someone's I guess had some broken fingers. I have um, it's not I checked on the script to see if it's not covered, but on on that note, I'm seeing a lot of reviews for people who've tried Lamont Ultimate. And that it's essentially R Factor Two with the same old bugs and new ones. Yeah, I mean it's an early release, so that's one thing to keep in mind, I guess. Um, and I I haven't messed with R Factor Two. Um, it had just come out when I was getting out of the sim. Um, I mean it looks good, but again, you know, it is what it is. I'm surprised it's out at all, to be honest. So good luck to them. This next question comes with a little bit of uh, irony because if you know it will shock you. How's it going to shock you? <laughs> the question is, what will shock you in the next build? It was asked by Jean-Jean Wang, and he asked the question, if you, uh, based on the comments from Greg Hill's mid-season update. So what all did y'all find on this, Mike? Well, there's speculation from that update about, um, he says, it's a bit of a shocker coming on the racing vehicle front, but will not spoil the surprise too early on that. And so they're kind of reading into the word shocker and speculating maybe it's the Porsche Mission X, which is apparently an EV car, or Formula E. Maybe uh, we're going to have Formula E coming. Or maybe it's the STCC 2024 EV touring cars. And he goes on to say Nitro Cross or World Rallycross EVs. And that's probably my best. That's what I would put it my money on is Nitro Cross. Or maybe there's an IndyCar hybrid update coming. And so the votes are in, and most people picked Nitro Cross with uh, 38 votes, Formula E 37. And uh, something else actually won out the, the voting ranks. Porsche Mission X was the lowest vote. Is that so what is Greg Hill talking about? Yeah. I don't know. That is that an indication of popularity or lack of popularity that that got the lowest votes? Well, I think the tides are turning on the the EV movement, uh, so to speak. Uh, you got manufacturers that are looking at hydrogen and different things, and yeah, I don't know if that's the direction there everybody's going at the at the same time. I just don't see a high demand for a sim car that's EV. I don't know. So then what is it then? And maybe he's not referring to EV. Maybe we're reading into it. Yeah, I didn't even pick that up. That's how bad I am. I didn't even pick up the EV side of it. I'm just thinking there's something's coming that nobody's, you know, that hasn't been discussed. So the uh, next picture, if if you like like sci-fi horror or just just horror in general, almost makes a good picture. That's kind of shocking. Yeah, so Billy Roberts posted on the uh, iRacing forums about a bug that he's found at the Kern County Speedway. Uh, so apparently your crew, uh, they're missing their heads. So he's got a screenshot here of the pit boxes. Um, and looks like the gas man who's facing you is good to go. But the, uh, I guess the race engineers that are standing looking at their, their laptops um, are missing their heads. And they're floating above them. I just saw that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, my. I just realized that, too. I didn't see that before. So the heads are four feet up from the top of the guy's hat. 
just kind of floating there. So we got the headless pit crew or engineering team. Yeah, when you look at it, I, I got the invisible man vibe that's, going because you can see got, the microphone, yeah. the microphone from his headset sitting there in front of the invisible face. So if these were guys who had a tendency to forget a lot of things, they might actually forget their head. How? How does this pass QA? Exactly. That's my that's my thing. How how do things like this get past there? I just now I don't know what car this is. Uh, that doesn't look familiar to me uh, as far as the pit setup. Because I know there's some differences between you know cars and pit setup. Um, I don't know. Yeah. How does it get yeah, past? This could now? be a legend or something weird. Yeah. Anyway, kind of funny. Copyright because I can think of a perfect song to throw up for this one. But DJ EJ shares 10 mistakes about bad habits that you don't need to make. Tell us a little bit, John. Yeah, so I want DJ EJ, he's he's one of our favorites. You know, he comes up with some great YouTube videos, and I watched this one today. And you know, he uh, uh, gave a little plug, he does a lot of coaching, you know, teaching guys how to race. and. And he's got a pretty good, I guess, data bank of information in his head on mistakes that, you know, new drivers make. And so he did this video on, you know, some things, 10 things that are bad habits that you, you need to stop doing. And he said, first off, don't avoid side-by-side -side racing. Go ahead and do it. Don't skip qualifying. Don't just practice qualifying. He said, you want to take the car to its limits. Test it. See see what you can do with it. Go ahead and use guides or references. Uh, he said, use those brakes. Use the gas pedal. Don't just let off the gas. And uh, sometimes our settings aren't good. This is a real good tutorial, I think, for <laughs> people like me who aren't that fast uh, on some things, you know, do's and don'ts. I'd be a little bit careful on the side-by-side -side racing. There's just, if the car catches you and is clearly faster and you can hold them down by, by running them side-by-side, -side, but you just, you're just going to slow each other down, I think you should avoid it in those cases. All right, But you can't be afraid to side-by-side -side race either or gain some experience doing it here and there because you do need to be able to do it when, when it's crunch time. Well, he's referring to the rookie class uh, specifically. As you're coming up, you're a new person. Uh, he said that the bad habit is people are trying to avoid the side-by-side -side racing, trying to get out of rookies as fast as they can. That's what people tell them to do. And he's saying, don't do that. Stay in the rookies. Uh, use that to learn how to race side-by-side. -side. That's the proper place to, to, to figure it out not later when you get to D or C fast track needs to go away. We're big enough now. Why can't it? Yeah. I don't see any reason why it should not go away. I'm telling you, maybe to clean it up. It would. The racecraft was so much better. You know, when you had to run an entire season before you could change classes, it was so much better. Well, I agree with you guys on that. I mean, I think that's absolutely true, but, how does iRacing sell new cars and tracks if they put you on a slow track? Well, hopefully we get to a point where there's just enough, there's enough subscribers that they're not, that, you know, they don't need to do that money grab anymore. You know, like, oh, we got to get everyone to, you know, A-class so they can buy all the new content. You know, you know, I let it play out. Let it play out. 
if you remember when we did the math on their numbers of active subscribers and we took the average cost of a year, there was quite a bit of change coming in, Mike. Just in it subscriptions. Is. Just in subscriptions. Right. And they and they got a big staff, you know, granted 130 is what we heard last time. So, you know, that's a lot of salary, you know, so. I know. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying. Maybe not 12 weeks, maybe six weeks, something. I mean, I don't know how quick you can fast track now, but I know it's definitely quicker than 12 weeks. When so, I'll tell you how quick you can fast track. When Bristol went to dirt the first time. I had never run an official dirt race, right? So we had the NIS and A opens there for that week, but they had already separated the ratings. So your rating and your gains were based on your dirt rating. In one week, I was Class C. That's unreal. So I think this video is good for, for older seasoned vets like myself as well. Because it reminds me of what I, my bad habits are. Like he mentions not using, you know, guy, a track guides or, you know, racing references. And, and I remember back several years ago, some of our teammates would do that. Like every, every week, you know, at the beginning of the week, oh, there's a track guide out by so-and-so on YouTube and, and you watch it and you get some ideas before you even get on the track. And, you know, I don't do stuff like that, but could it help me? It might, you know, and so it's kind of neat to get those ideas. Absolutely. I think it'll help, um, you know, from the roadside, you know, I, I do it with a subscription service that before I'm going to hit the track, I'm going to watch, you know, a, a guide through because it just helps. I, I may know the course, but there's nothing wrong with somebody giving you a coach along the way. Um, and you know what? Come to find out, when I after I watch that, I typically reduce my lap times because I'm hitting the corners in the right gear where I need to hit apexes and everything. So there's nothing wrong with the track guide. So have you watched your uh, Bathurst video? Yes, and I'm still not super fast, but that's okay. Just got to survive. So I watched. Uh, I'm, I'm practicing for Bathurst, and I'm not a road guy, but I'm having fun with it. Very slow. So then I watched four Bathurst track guides, got on the track, and and was three seconds faster just going off of those guides. So that says a lot right there. And um, the other the other one here refused to test the car limits, but also the track limits. Um, like especially like in a place like Coda, you need to know where the 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 slowdowns are you need to know when it goes to one x uh and when it doesn't and you need to figure that out before you get into the race <laughs> unlike what i do all right so we got two we're going to wrap up the topics with two events the first one is more of a season announcement it's the bmw m power series which is going to feature 10 races it looks like of various 12. Or is it 12? Okay. 12 races of various BMW cars at different tracks. So it's, it's going to switch each time. For, for example, um, in the middle of March, it'll be the, the BMW Hybrid at Sebring. Then uh, uh, the next week, it'll be the M4 GT4 at Nürburgring. And that's basically the format. It's going to be switching cars and tracks each week. 
I was pretty excited to see this because there's some of the legacy content in here that was fun to drive years ago uh, that probably a lot of people own, uh, like the original, I think the BMW Z, whatever it was. Um, that was a fun little car to drive, so I'm excited for that. You're talking about the Z4 GT3? Yeah, yeah, it was the first uh, first thing BMW GT3 they had. And what's neat about this is this is kind of a take of off of the... Um you know the the ring uh master ringmeister and draft master you know where they switched the cars off you know that was a good experiment it worked and now you got manufacturers jumping into the game and and doing their own thing and so i like it i mean you get bmw involved um they they're like hey we want to use these three cars and and have a 12-week series and blah 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 and it's it's great i love it and then the other event we've kind of already been talking about is Bathurst 12 Hours. It's this weekend. Um, they have put out the balance of power. That's probably the biggest update. We're not going to read the same other details that we read, except uh, John got to have Class C, basically. Oh, yeah. I got I'll, it now. I'll remind you every week. And the VRS Sprint is actually running that track this week as well. So you, you have to have Class B to run that, though, just in case you didn't know. And you missed uh, the Prodigy event. Did I? We'll come back to that one then. Uh, Balance of Power was announced, though. I'm gonna, I do want to read those off. They took 1% power from the Audi, 1.5% from the BMW M4, 3% from the Ferrari. Oh, they hammered you guys, Brad. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Ford stay the same, Lambo stand the same, McLaren minus almost 2%, 1.75. They took 2% from the Mercedes, and they left the Porsche alone. Yeah, I, I didn't see Prodigy because it it literally just says home. That's why I overlooked it. I just didn't see it as a – I thought it was a blank. So tell us about Prodigy, Brad, since you were working with it and probably know it the best. Uh, we talked, I think, a little bit about this last week. Um, they've got a series going, which you can qualify in order to actually uh, basically get a tryout uh, for an actual uh, professional race car uh, contract um, with Prodigy. They've done this for a few years, I think, um, in various forms, um, from, from Mazda to open wheel and stuff. So um, we talked about it last week. Um, pretty neat opportunity. Again, another opportunity for someone to go from sim to reality. And so, look, you, what you need to be doing to do this is be racing the uh, Mazda MX-5, basically. And so, um, you, you know, the, the top 48 in series points uh, will advance to the postseason finals and and so forth. And so you can basically uh, win a, a package to go real racing. It's pretty cool. Hey, podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved in the discussion over at the Discord. Uh, lots of people showing off their rigs and wheels this week. Uh, pretty cool stuff over there. And then iRacersLounge.com for the show notes where you can see all the links to everything we discuss. We're still in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. And iRacers Lounge merchandise is available at iRacersLounge.shop. Really high-end stuff, guys. Hats and shirts. Fantasy. I haven't even looked, guys. 
Who won it? I know Brian and I were going to try to get through this, and that didn't happen. All right. I have the uh, overall league standings, and it's Eric Poppin as our leader. Mike Golig second, JTC 11C third, tied for third with Pete Racing. Uh, and then fifth, Supreme 3D Printing. That's our friend Kyle. And so I think Kyle Pendigraph's the highest uh, teammate on the list in uh, P5. Congratulations to those five guys on winning the Daytona Lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I signed up to do it with you guys this year, and I'm currently sitting 45th, so not a, not a good first week. I think I got Byron out of a good finish. So I was just listening to a podcast where Alex actually kind of took more credit for that wreck than Byron. We should have. I just, you know, I got Hendrick out of a good finish. How about that? So now, how do people sign up for the uh, our fantasy contest here? The NASCAR app on your smartphone, Android or Apple. And uh, you hit the little menu in the upper corner, the three lines, and then fantasy, and then go find the league from there. You can get there on the website as well, NASCAR.com. Yeah, it was pretty easy. I was I think I was signed up within about 10 minutes, so pretty quick. I ended up 19th uh, in the standings. So what about Atlanta? Is it, are, is it the same, you know, same story, different week? No, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> in, Daytona, in Daytona, you could, you could still kind of find the fast drivers and work together and actually accomplish something. In Atlanta, you're basically just stuck until somebody screws up. It's just a parade. There's no passion. Nah, I think we all experienced that last night. So who do we like? You gotta like Hendrick still. They're hot right now, so I guess I'm gonna go with Hendrick. Uh, I think the Fords are still having an upper hand, I would think. So uh, Logano is quick. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to say the forwards should still be quick. And what do you guys think of Kevin Harvick? Uh, I think he did well. He's definitely a much, it's much easier to listen to Kevin than it is to listen to Boyer. I think the MRN broadcast was great. Yeah, yeah I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with NASCAR broadcasts on Fox. I, I, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to MRN from here on out. I just prefer to anyway, because I, I actually was on racing myself or, or I think actually flying a plane at that point and, and uh, listening while I did. Yeah, um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say uh, Doug Rice is retiring from PRN and they had him on the MRN broadcast. And that was kind of a nice gesture, you know, after his 35 years as the voice of NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, MRN's always been great. Um, you know, I can remember years and years ago, you know, be out, you know, cutting grass and, and listening to the race and stop cutting and they run into the house because it sounded like there was an incredible race going on only to turn it on and to be disappointed that MRN was just making it sound better than it actually was. But that's okay. They, they're really good at doing that at Indianapolis. <laughs> they can make Indianapolis sound like it's super exciting. And then you go look at it and you're like, what? Just be glad to get the, you know, these two drafting tracks is what they call them now. They're not restrictor plate tracks. They're just drafting tracks. Happy to get them in the rear view. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. It's time for hardware software, and we're going to open up with Tony Kanaan walking us through his Simlabs, Simlabs chassis build. Mike, give us a little story. 
Well, that's just it. Um, he goes over some tips and tricks on how to put a SimLab Pro together uh, that you can get from Micro Center. Um, the Tony Canon edition is green. Uh, I like. I love the color. Um, he has some great tips uh, for anyone building a rig. You should just take a moment and, and go through this. Um, he talks about where at one point where the the written instructions for the build indicate you need spacers, but they actually don't include the spacers. And then he he figured out that you don't even need the spacers. And so he has like tips like that. Like you could get really thrown off on a couple little things with this build and um and look we i have a teammate steve lou allen who um he actually sold all his sim racing equipment last year because he had a family uh change in, in his family and he needed to get out but he, he he messaged me or this afternoon and said look i'm getting back in what rig should i buy well this is the one i told him to buy the sim lab pro this is well one of three i recommended but this is the top three i really think it is I think it was a good video. I mean, there are things I saw watched in this that I wish I had, had had watched, you know, before I built mine. I built mine on the ground. In hindsight, I should have put it on a table. It would have been much easier, you know, spending half a day on your hands and knees and doing everything on the ground was a disaster. So, um, it's it a good, um, you know, it was a good video. Yeah, you know, Micro Center, you know, it's, I think it's a great resource if you've got one near you to where you can go see the stuff and actually touch it and look at it. Um, you know, I've got one three hours from me. So when it comes time to, to maybe look at some different hardware, I'm definitely taking a trip. Did Micro Center make the instructions or did SimLab finally add instructions? Because mine had no instructions. I figured it all out by watching uh, the retired, uh, is it Barney? Was that his name? Sim Racing Garage? Sim Racing Garage, yeah. Um, you know, look, I've got a track racer and the directions I got, you know, it's were not great. There were steps that were not needed anymore, you know, and actually reached out on a couple of things and they're like, Oh, that's not the right directions. You need to use these. Oh, I'm like, well, this, this is, is what, this is what you sent me. So I think there's every review I've seen of almost any rig, there seems to be some sort of questions when it comes to directions. Is it a track racer? Is it a sim lab? This is a sim lab. What I'm saying is just like Tony said about, you know, steps missing or parts missing. It just, it somewhat seems to be consistent with almost all of the, the, the rig, you know, builders that, um, they just don't seem to do a very good job of either keeping updated material, uh, online or, or sent with it. Um, cause it's, it's overwhelming and daunting when you start to put one of these things together. Cause it, you know, you, you don't want to make a mistake because you, you're 10, 15 steps into it when you realize that you screwed up step two. I think the other thing the video highlights for me is the differences between the 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 heritage P1X that David and I have compared to this new P1 Pro and the biggest difference was when he put together the original you know a base so to speak um it has these little corner pieces that just screw right into the metal and it makes it real easy uh, compared to the 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 heritage p1x you had these little corner brackets and you had to stack them and you had two of them and you had to set them on every single corner and and get them aligned just right so it's quite a different build it's much faster it looks like to build one of these than a p1x was all right and i just got to be honest i got in trouble because my wife was watching the stream and she heard me talk about going to micro center so if i disappear quickly you'll know why <laughs>
the thing about micro center is if you can go there you avoid shipping now when i bought my sim uh semi cube wheelbase i got it from micro center and i had it shipped yeah mine came from europe all right uh probably can't talk your wife into letting you buy this either brad can you are we talking goodyear shoes yes uh no but I race with carding shoes, so that's probably just as bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good years. Uh, I've seen some commercials, and I guess maybe on X and stuff like that. But um, we got a link here to their website uh, for Goodyear feet, uh, Goodyear Footwear USA.com's collections of uh, performance shoes, casual sim racing. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a, a huge Goodyear fan, particularly. Um, maybe a good avenue for those. Um, yeah, I think most people probably still race in socks. Um, I stopped racing in socks many years ago just because of the type of pedals I used. Um, just couldn't do them in socks. Um, Mike, you've got the pedals I used to have, the main performance sim pedals. Um, I, there's no way I could do those in socks. And even with the Husenfeld sprints, I can't use socks. So uh, it's probably a good uh, option. I didn't really look at pricing, um, not in the shoe market right now, but I think any sort of good avenue is good for, for shoes when it comes to sim racing. You bring up a good point. If you're racing on a pedal that you can race with socks, you're not really racing with pressure. You're racing with position. It's Yeah, that's that turns into nothing but uh, memory, uh, muscle memory. Well, it's all mess of memory, but there's a difference between position and pressure. With pressure, you're having to control exactly how far you push. Where I mean, I said that wrong. With position, you're having to control exactly how far you push, and you almost sometimes have to lift your leg up a little, the and put force the other direction to keep it from to keep it where you need it. Whereas when you when you're using pressure you're always pushing forward you just have one direction of force it's just how much do you push yep oh they have a specific collection for sim racing called the ori s and then they have some other names 95 dollars is kind of there are some a little bit cheaper but uh yeah i mean goodyear i actually bought a rubber hose for my yard from goodyear and uh it's the best hose money could buy. I mean, it'll never deteriorate in the Arizona sun. Um, super thick rubber. Um, so I imagine they make good shoes. You know, shoes are made out of rubber, right? The the sole of them, in way, anyway. Uh, but I don't need shoes. I actually don't use shoes. I, I I just use thick socks. Well, if they're anything like the tires, you you can be pretty certain they won't wear out. Tough crowd today. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, if you look at these, uh, when I was using the old um, uh, pedals, I, I, it was socks. You know, it was the cheap pedals. But when I went to the Simagic pedals, I, I couldn't use socks anymore. I had to use shoes. So, I don't know, for 95 bucks. I mean, we spend a lot more money for than that on some other things. So... It's a lightweight shoe, breathable fabric, you know, uh, got a rounded heel, which is considered to be good for drivers, slip resistant. Yeah, you know, if you're looking for shoes to drive with, maybe this is worth checking out. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Like I said, I picked up a pair of carding uh, shoes off Amazon for about 45 bucks. They're great. Absolutely great. Are we ready for another wheel, John? Yeah, you know, in the last... 12 months or so i've been searching for wheels and i just can't seem to find any uh but suddenly we have a cosworth ccw 
MK2 Pro Sim wheel from Simrep Engineering. You know, it, it like a lot of these wheels that we've had, uh, these formula wheels, great looking wheel um, for formula drivers to check out. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have a wheel like this. I need one. I want one. I love the looks of this. It looks like it has, has a nice uh, dash on it. I, I, anybody else take a look at this? My, of course. And, you know, this is one of those rare products where they don't list the price. You have to inquire about the price. Oh, and you no, they, they do. They do. It's pre-order. It's uh, 7,900 euros. What? 7,900? It's the name, man. It's Cosworth. Well, look, look, let's talk about the Cosworth name. So you go to IndyCar race and you look at an IndyCar, they're using Cosworth wheels. Sure they are. And 7,900 is the base. You can get more stuff for more money with that. That doesn't include, um, you know, uh, dual clutches, up, dual clutch upgrade and other stuff. So uh, quick translation, I think that's like $8,300. I'm going to read a little quote off the website. We are incredibly proud that we've been asked to develop the electronics and software for the Cosworth ProSim wheel. The last few months, we've worked together with Cosworth to re-engineer the CCW MK2 from a motorsport wheel to a sim wheel. All parts are genuine Cosworth parts. The electronics have been re-engineered for sim racing purposes. If I, hit the, if I hit the lottery, there'll be signs. This could be one, but I'd have to hit the lottery. Well, this is for people like the next guy we're going to talk about, I think, really. I mean, the average sim racer, is it, it's out of reach. I'm sorry. It's just not realistic. Well, who is that next guy, John, since you brought him up? Well, his name is Joe Rogan. Joe has uh, had a custom-made $70,000 racing simulator built. Um, you know... I, three or four weeks ago, I heard about this, and I issued a challenge to Joe. Joe, uh, I'll, you know, let's let's do Bathurst or something. Uh, he's got a super, super cool podium rig that's been custom built for him. Mike, I, when, I, when I saw this, I thought of you, because look at those monitors. These are my dream project, my, the, the monitors that they do at podium racing. Um, so first of all, the stand that they have if you jump over to like the 18 minute mark you'll see what i'm talking about the triple monitor stand they have a stand behind it for the the computer and then there's also a tray for the subwoofer and then they have the three speakers center left and right mounted on the uprights of the triple monitor mount so you have audio built in um it also in and they have this really neat integrated wheel stand uh, when I say wheel stand, or a, it's like a place to put your extra wheels, and it hangs down from the right monitor, and and you you go and like hang your wheel on it, and it actually powers up the wheel. And what's interesting about this build is when you're racing, those wheels that you have hanging over on the bottom right, the displays light up. And the, the LEDs light up and everything, just like if they're hooked to the wheel, but they're not. So you, he has all four wheels all showing the RPM gauge at the same time. It's a really neat effect. 
So just just for comparison, my wheels are held up by coat hooks. But look, the the monitor footprint is big. It's all you know. It's almost too big for the space I have. So I don't know if I'm, I'm going to have this exact thing. But man, I really like that bigger monitor thing. And then you just set a rig in front of it. And of course, yeah. Joe Rogan's rig is motion and everything else. He's got the BDH shifter and uh, Ace Tech wheelbase and. Heiskenveld Ultimates, and, and so they do the Heiskenveld Ultimates for the clutch and the throttle, but they gave him a semi-cube active brake. So, I mean, when you get to monitors this size, I think there's, a, to me, there's almost a point where it's too big, because it's the, that's the word I'm looking for, it, the car is almost larger than what it would be in real life. Right, but you, if you set the rig off, and if you're at the right distance, so I think it works out. And so you're right. It, there is there is a point where it's too big. I, I think those monitors that Will Ford did, which were 65s or whatever, those were too big. I think this is a sweet spot. I think this is as big as you want to get. You wouldn't get bigger than this. Yeah, this is pretty close. I don't think because you're if you just imagine yourself sitting in a car, it looks like that's about how far it would be over but about the only difference is on the left side you're it's actually theoretically really closer to you right in most cars because you're sitting on the left side um but yeah this is basically a, a wraparound almost like a projection it, it it reaches so far and lots of neat ideas like the, he has this little um it looks like a, a controller a game controller but it's really a small keyboard and mouse um, so they don't have a traditional keyboard mouse with the, the Joe Rogan's rig. They have this tiny little, you know, six foot by or six inch by four inch little keyboard with a, a trackpad on it. And so when he navigates around iRacing, he just grabs that little thing. And, and, that, and that's a neat idea. Anyway, I, I love this video. Recaro seat, they gave him like this super fancy real racing seat that costs several thousand dollars. And look, they the guys at podium they just like build the most expensive rig you could imagine you know just every the, the biggest monitors the most expensive seat the best wheels the best pedals you know uh you know extra wheels you know let's give him a gomez and let's give him this gomez and let's so they just really hooked up joe rogan uh you know they build it in their their warehouse and then they take it apart and ship it and then they fly out and meet it and they put it together and tune it for him and everything well let's jump back into the the everyday man rigs brad we've got a track racer review next yep so we got a video from uh sarah nochi she reviews the track racer trx and then she ends up sharing kind of her all-in price for the complete system so that's an interesting video um you know, I kind of like it when somebody kind of goes through and, and talks about what they paid. Um, now, when she set this, I guess when she did this build, it's it's was some time ago, so prices probably have changed. Um, you know, it's the, the strangest thing to me in this is is just the layout of the the way she's got the setup. You know, it's it's a, it's more of a reclined uh, rig, I guess, going towards a formula. But um, you know, the, the monitors, everything are on a, just a. Uh, kind of a funky angle uh, i guess just kind of depends on what you're going for um not sure would be my cup of tea um as a guy who's getting older it's pretty low to the ground too 
which I wanted to avoid when I built mine. Um, I just don't like having to get up off the floor. Um, that that is definitely a, an F one seat. Yeah. So, um, and you know, with the, with that with the the TRX, you can adjust um, you know the the angle of it, so you can try to kind of go back and forth between a GT style and, and a formula. Um, you know, again, pretty honest review. You know, and I think her all in was probably around seven seven or eight thousand bucks, something like that. I think. Um, you know, not bad. Oh, Sarah has done something I've never seen in all my sim racing years, which is have those triples angled down 15 20 degrees whatever it is i've never seen such a thing I, i've never in my time ever seen any of them that aren't just up straight up and down and so when i saw this it kind of threw me back i'm like whoa i never even thought of that idea that you could do such a thing but uh it's an interesting layout because the way that she has her she's really way down in the seat she's got her feet kind of cockeyed up and she's got the wheel up in the air and kind of pointing down at the same angle as the viewing angle is so it looks like it works it looks comfortable yeah i think it's kind of that that laid back formula kind of seating arrangement i mean sarah's got a nice build um going there i mean it's not joe rogan's but it but it's nice yeah i just don't know if the I mean, if you're trying to go for a formula layout, I'm, I'm trying to think about an actual race car. So you in a formula race car, you're going to be laying back, yes, but you're still going to be parallel with the ground. You're, you're not looking up at the sky when you're racing. That's my only thing that just throws me off with this continually. Every time I look at it, I'm just like, I don't want to be perched at 20 degrees and looking you know, up at the ceiling when I'm racing. Now, I understand she's got the, the monitors are aligned with where the seat is, but the same thing could be obtained with the with the monitor with, with the rig flat. I'm glad you said that because I think you just said what I was feeling that this isn't right. This it's gotta be straight up and down. This, this is not kosher. <laughs> but look, the other thing that she really highlighted that I kind of forgot about this rig. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever been a fan of it. Our, our teammate, Tom Dryling, bought this rig, actually. Um, but what she pointed out was something that's truly incredible is the amount of adjustability it really has. The wheelbase, back, forth, up, down, you name it. It pedals, we, uh, even the seat itself. It has, uh, it's very easy to adjust on the fly. You don't have to take stuff apart like you do with an 80-20 rig. Well, I've I've got the cousin to this. I've got the Track Racer uh, TR8 Pro, and adjustability is one of the reasons I got it because I can I can adjust anything and everything just with loosening a couple of you know little screws. Uh, and I so yeah, it very adjustable. I mean, and if you like that laid back approach to it, you know maybe it's just. Um, I don't know. Maybe it balances out her weight better. But yeah, it's a really adjustable rig, I, I, and I like mine. And uh, yeah, she's got a new newer YouTube channel. She's just starting iRacing, and I subscribed. She uh, was great. Glad to have her in the community. It made me think of Annie Rabbits. When's the last time we heard of Annie Rabbits, uh, David? It's been a while. 
she was streaming for a while and I kind of stopped keeping up with the discord because I just have too many discords to keep up with. And um, I haven't, I haven't run into her lately. I don't think she's on anymore. All right. This next one is a SH SHH shifter unboxing. And this was one I almost bought. It's a 3d printed, uh, affordable shifter that can switch between uh, H pattern and sequential pretty easily. Uh, Brad, have you given this video a watch? Yeah, I did. I watched this. Uh, it's pretty neat. Um, pretty neat setup. You know what? Uh, he was upfront and honest and said that what he's unboxing is not what comes with the kit. Uh, he bought a bunch of extra stuff, different mounting options, uh, different uh, uh, gates, plates, gate plates. I don't I'm saying that right, but you know, for the shifter to where you can change how the pattern is, um, you know, it reminded me of the old, uh, was a TH eight Thrustmaster shifter. Maybe I, th I think I had one of those back in the day where you had to take the plate off to change it to sequential and, and H pattern, um, for 3d printing. I mean, it, it, it looks pretty good. I did like that. I guess you could get your own logo or whatever put on there, which is pretty cool. Um, if you like that, um, so he didn't didn't get super deep into you know a, a full review so much as just an unboxing um, you know but for it you know a mid level uh, entry you know mid to, to entry to mid uh, shifter seems to be a pretty good option. Hundred and nine euros. I think this is the one Bobby has actually. I think he actually got this one. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, somebody on our team bought this. Um, I've heard good things about it. And there's just a switch on the side to switch it from, uh, you know, H to sequential. Um, it's functional. Um, you don't really need the plates, but they're kind of nice to have, I guess. But uh, but it does have that 3D printed look. Um, so, yeah. Well, let's shift on then to the uh, next shifter review, Mike. Yeah, we got the VNM sequential shifter review. Sim Racing Den... Uh, uh, plan a review of this. They actually just teased it on their Instagram, uh, a photo of it. It does have that lever uh, on the shaft for, um, I believe, neutral or reverse, one or the other. VNM logo on the front. Um, this is their version two logo. And um, so, yeah, there'll be a review coming out shortly. So, Brad, what color do you prefer for your Heiskenveld? Um, these look really good. So, um, I've got the sprints, um, and mine, uh, are not the black. They're just the, the first ones that came out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, look, Huskenfeld continues to, to, to offer different options on stuff. Um, you know, no difference between the traditional, just, um, you know, the structure is black. Um, I think they look fantastic. I love the silver on the black, to be honest with you. Yep, so now you can order the high-end Ultimate Plus pedals in silver and now black. So, look, uh, you can't go wrong with these. Like we just talked about, the Joe Rogan rig, the 70000 Spin My Money rig. What did they pick? They picked the Heiskenveld Ultimates for the throttle and the clutch. They uh, sold him the active brake, you know, from Semicube. Uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't give him active brakes for all three pedals, though, to keep the get the cost up more. You know what I like about th this product, Heisenfeld, in in particular, when you look at just a picture of the things that these guys make, you know you're looking at quality. I mean, the way these are put together, top of the line stuff. 
they are virtually bulletproof. And if, if something goes wrong, I mean, they stand behind what they put out. Probably some of the best customer service, um, you know, in the sim industry, I would say. I mean, guys have bought them secondhand and have stuff go wrong and they reach out and they'll ship them what they need to get them back to work. And so, again, that's they stand behind, a, you know, everything. That's the one reason I went with them uh, when I re, you know, when I started to, to build my rig again, just because of I knew, you know, they've been around for a long time and, and just their, their customer service and track record is great. The reputation is, is very good in the community and it's been there for a, a long time. So, yeah, absolutely. So next up, we have a button box that kind of doubles as a stream deck. And what it actually does, they like to brag in their in their Instagram post that it you don't no longer have the dilemma between convenience and immersion. Um, and and I guess they're trying to say that you this is the only way you can choose to have a button box and a stream deck, which is stretching it a little. But hey, it's marketing. But you have to buy the stream deck separately. That's a little bit quick tr- part of the trick. So essentially, it's a button box that you can insert a stream deck into and kind of make it a combined unit. Yeah, we've seen them before, you know, where they're mixed together. And this is a great result, I think. Um, you know, it's got the starter switch with the cover. It's got the big brake bias knob. You got push buttons. You got joysticks twisty knobs but then the stream deck's kind of in the corner part lots of carbon fiber look it looks pretty thick though no idea what it's going to cost is this is this a, a tease here it's from the race box sim uh from sim racing den apparently they're going to do a review on it it looks mostly 3d printed so it probably wouldn't be terribly expensive so one of our viewers in the discord this week was asking Hey, where can I buy a cheap touch screen? Because they wanted to add something else. And I think Dr. Orzy was telling them, look, get the Stream Deck XL. That's the way to go. Um, you know, instead of a small, you know, mini iPad or something, if that's what you're looking for, uh, the Stream Deck will do what you're wanting to do. Is that Stream Deck or Steam Deck? There's a difference. Uh, did I say it wrong? It's, 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 it's Stream Deck is what it says on the post. Okay, because the Steam Deck is something that you can actually play games on, Steam games on directly. Now, the idea behind this is you can reconfigure the in the software what the buttons display and do when you push them. Okay. So you do have different profiles. So I'm getting into a IMSA car, so I have this profile for that. Or, or now I'm going NASCAR race, and I have a totally different profile. The buttons do different things. But he would be stuck with buttons, whereas a touchscreen he could actually turn into a uh, into a a display. Yeah, but he was going to use it as buttons, so th- I, I think it was a good recommendation. Um, like I said, there's other alternatives, kind of that we've seen those little tiny uh, mini panels they call them, or panels where they have little electronic buttons, um, which looks like a uh, a stream deck, but. All right, John, you get to be our wheel man this week. Yeah, so eSports Sim has the uh, FSW or, or Formula Steering Wheel Series 3 coming out, which is compatible with the uh, PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Will Ford did a, uh, 
a review of this and uh, you know I, I look at these wheels and man they're it's this one's eye candy with all the colors on it it's got a, a five inch digital display that gives you all the telemetry data it's got the functional rotary switches the leds nice looking wheel it's compatible with some thrustmaster wheel bases fanatec wheel bases semicube simagic moza logitech asatec i mean this is this is a formula wheel that will ford says is pretty good and he he compared it to a lot of others out there and thought it was a pretty good bargain now i don't remember what the price was but i would look at, at uh, boosted media's um you know youtube video if you're in the market for a, a formula steering wheel well look he said mixed things i mean will is very diplomatic when he has a product that's just not quite there and at the end of this and the conclusions i i carried off some different thoughts from what he was saying it's super heavy it's heavy 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 and that really can diminish your force feedback is when it's heavier than other wheels it's massively big this is bigger than other wheels when he holds up the the cube controls and the the sole pack you know next to it those look like normal wheels this thing is a behemoth okay and that's why it's over heavy too and he also spoke pretty negatively about the flex in the bottom of the grip um, he even brought it to the attention of the company and they dismissed it uh his feedback basically um yeah he said he even noticed it while driving and so that's a huge red flag to me it is and it right at the very beginning of the video when he's got the thing sitting in front of him the first thing that came to my mind is my god that thing's massive i mean it is huge i don't think we've seen a bigger one this is big the whole point of a formula wheel is is quick response look i i think will he said don't buy this but he he didn't say that i mean but i in other words i think he said that because he was saying well you look i when i i reach into these buttons i have to take my hand off the grip because they're so far away you know and it's all the little comments really say don't buy this in a nice way in, in a very you know british kind of kind way yeah it's just i think the market is really flooded with these right now i mean just almost over flooded it's like everybody's trying to put out a formula wheel. It goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is going to be a $9.9 billion industry. And, and you know, these people, you know, for this particular wheel, they're trying to carve out their little niche in that market. But uh, they might have tried to put a little too much into this, and it, it is too big. Oh, it's PlayStation compatible. They got that going for them. And, and he said they did their own software and firmware, which is unusual. Uh, most firmware or wheel manufacturers are piggybacking off of SimHub and, and other uh, third-party software and firmware that's available. So, Well, Mike, we've got this next one. There's a little kind of throwback Logitech post almost. And the question is, is the... the is the OC no I'm sorry I'm getting a little ahead of myself is a Logitech shifter still worth it well when I first saw the video I thought it might be a, like a April Fool's kind of joke review video but he seriously is reviewing the Logitech shifter 
that's available from the Logitech uh, 920 and other wheelbases of that stature. Um, and he talks about, you know, the different drawbacks with it. Uh, one is incompatibility. Uh, when he used it, he actually has to run it into the original wheelbase and then have it plugged into the um, computer. Or you can actually buy an adapter off of Amazon that's $30. The thing only cost 70 I think, or 60 uh, to begin with. But then you have to buy a $30 adapter just to plug it in. Or there's a $40 Logitech uh, adapter box that they sell that also works. Um, yeah, I mean, he talked about it has a good look, you know, with the clamp. You know, does it really mount to our, the kind of rigs we're using? Not really. This is really designed for a desk. Um, it's going to be a hard pass for me. Well, look, uh, you know, I had a G25 at some point. You know, that's where we... Some of us that have been around since the the nineties and the early two thousands. That's what you used. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we got rid of ours when we moved two times ago because nobody was using it. Um, yeah, I think it has it has its place in the ecosystem as an entry level with the wheel. But outside of that, I just think it's a waste of money and a waste of time. More <laughs> wheels, John, but it's not a formula wheel. No, you know, I uh, I was joking around. I got so sick of hearing all those manufacturer remarks on the Daytona 500. I said, I'm going to buy a Volkswagen. Well, lo and behold, we've got a Volkswagen rally wheel, uh, anywhere from 259 to 339 euros. Uh, it's a 330 centimeter uh, wheel. And, I, you know, this is a rally wheel. Um that's that's made and i honestly amu r5 rally i'm not even sure who makes this i i couldn't figure this out website is from spain so um it's a spanish company you gotta wonder if they're officially licensed to put that vw logo on the middle of the wheel or or not i don't know at that price you you kind of wonder if it is officially licensed and uh well going to their website they've got bmw wheels and stuff too so i think they're i'm sure it's officially licensed okay nice little wheel box uh you know button box in the middle of the the, the alcantara wheel um kind of nice you know it looks kind of like a drifting wheel you want to uh, you know for drifting you want a nice round wheel uh we don't do enough rally to need a special wheel though all right, Mike, this next one is pretty interesting. I know you run a phone for your dashboard. What do you think of this dashboard? Yeah, I saw this on the Instagram this week, and I was blown away. Uh, Sim Dash, um, their Sim Dot Dash, they show off an 8.8-inch wide DDU, and it does have the RPM LEDs uh, blazing across the top above the uh, display. But this thing is massive. If you know you want to put a big old display behind your wheel, uh, this takes it to the next level because not only do you have that dash right in the center, but like off to the left, you could have the track map, and off to the right, you can have the relative. Kind of cool, actually. Yeah, but it's big. <laughs> it's big. It, it's almost as big or bigger than that Porsche dash that um, we've seen. That's really big. I think that's um, that's. The height is a little bit higher with the, I don't want to say wide, not wider, the height, I guess, on the Porsche. 
In a cup car, digital dash is bigger than that. Look at the fifth picture over where it, they show the whole cockpit. You got the the cube control wheel, really nice, like I have. But there's a great picture of a stream deck there on the left. You can really get a good view of what that stream deck looks like in, in action. It's got Brad's favorite item on there as well, the wind simulators. I don't know how people do it with the hoses. I've never been able to get wind through the hose. It just poofs out at a very low volume. Need bigger fans. Well, then you have a noise problem. Wear headphones. Or, David, how about this next simulator? Well, is this just a motion sim, or is this actually a factory sim? This, this is, is Delara's sim. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a YouTube video of the Delara sim, and it's got motion. It, it looks kind of space agey, in fact. I think what they say, 3 million, 5 million, something like that. There's three of these. Ferrari has one. Haas has one. And then this is the other one. And so this guy, who's a race car driver, uh, he, he basically walks us through how to get in it, what it looks like when you're in it uh, from his point of view. Um, it's pretty cool. They're actually making him wear a helmet in the in it. Yeah, I mean, when he gets into it, so when they, he's testing a prototype of GTP, basically. So the cockpit is set up just like that. You know, he's getting in, just like he's getting in a regular car. Um, it was was very, very cool video. Um, you know, he, he goes out, he turns 15 laps, and he's got the engineers telling him, you know, what he's doing wrong. And, you know, he comes back in, he gets done, and he sits down, and they kind of start to break things down. And he's like, how did I do? They're like, you were very slow. Um, you know, every corner he was slow. Everywhere he was supposed to be fast, he was slow. Um, so it was it was kind of funny. Um, but you know, pretty neat. I mean, but look, when 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 testing costs a fortune and a lot of money. I mean, this is why the sim simulation has become so huge with real motorsports because, I mean, they were talking this when Delara. They start to think of a car concept wise. They built it in the simulator before they've ever built it on the road. Um, and they can run all the tests on what they want to do before they ever build the car. So it, it's it's pretty pretty neat video. I would suggest you watch it. Well, we had a, a BMW before it was released in production. Yeah, that, it was neat to hear how they they do the design of the car with it. Um, they also talked a little bit about how teams would use it to valid to to work the setup for the actual race weekend uh you know they'd come in and they'd have the sim driver working it and then they would feed that feedback to the team that's at the track and so forth and so uh yeah uh, that's what nascar's doing i mean you guys in ford chevy and toyota simulators you got guys that have sim time every week and and that's what they're doing they're not you know, when that car comes off the hauler, it's set up based on what they've run in the sim that week. Um, you know, it's, that's every single week. And that's why, you know, got guys that are, you know, there's no more tinkering around changing sway bars and springs and everything at the track. You come off the trailer and you've you got to be quick. The actuators on this thing are huge, right? What do you think the throw on them is? Several, uh, several, at least a couple of meters. 12 feet. <laughs> I mean, something crazy. I mean, Look, I wanted to describe it for our audio listeners. It's like a giant warehouse room that's very tall. It's it's got its own space. Like it's like David said, these massive actuators are like twelve feet 
you know, the thing goes up and down and like feet and spins and goes in circles and everything. And so it really does give that driver some, some massive force feedback. All right, Mike, I think it's about time we jump over to results. let's do it all right let's talk uh friday open this was the daytona 500 i got a p6 oh no wait a minute i was p6 early on <laughs> there was a big wreck with with the leader on the front row the bottom kept hitting the apron and he basically lost it and took out the field i barely missed that one later i had a situation where my screen froze for almost four seconds i lost a bunch of track position i didn't wreck I ended up losing a lap eventually, gained that lap back on track before a caution. While under caution, one guy was really slow to come around to pit road. So we were all stopped at the entrance waiting. And then some guy came up and ran into the back of me and gave me a drive-through penalty. I was able to catch a caution after that penalty was, uh, was served, kept it on the lead lap. And then I started getting involved in incident after incident. I got the 24X on the second green-white checker when they wrecked. I was able to drive through and finish P6. So I actually got a decent finish, um, a top 10. So David, P11. Yeah, I was running. I was strong at Daytona all week, but just didn't get lucky on this one. I got dumped late. Like I just stuck it down on the inside uh, and pushed me when, when I tried to not let him go. I, I let probably the whole open up just a little too much. But um, I, so I, I, I couldn't 100% blame him, but he definitely was unforgiving. But it, it was late in the race, still climbed back. Uh, but you know, it's that's Daytona. Hi, Justin P32. Race had three cautions by lap 10. I was in the last caution meatball. Chris Waldron P13 got spun with 60 to go. Caution flags did not come out to get repaired. And then Tyler Williamson, P Black Flag, running four on the last lap and got a massive run on the front three. A block sent me high and I got loose, bumping the wall, giving me 18X. Crossed the line in fourth, but finished P16. Really bummed out about a three and a half hour race and getting the black flag on the last turn. Should have just rode it out in fourth. All other incident points were getting uh, turned or cut down on. One 4X was on me for bump drafting. That was not a 4X. Incident points at Daytona were sus. Okay, and then Tony uh, Rochette, P11, with a new paint job. The Dark Burb Rises car started in the seventh spot. About seven laps later, while just cruising with my draft buffer, dude behind me decided I want to bump the hell out of me causing me to exit stage left on the back straight and lose a draft for the rest of the race I was trying to play catch up in a race typically full of chaos and mayhem there was none for three quarters of the race only one caution in 150 laps within that time frame I ran out of gas short of my pit on my first green flag stop second green flag I was just before the line when the caution came out I was stuck behind dumbass drivers who couldn't hold the line or knew how to push or be pushed. At one time, I was two laps down, but the last quarter we had our shenanigans and made those back up to finish on the lead lap. Thank you to Brian McChicken for making an awesome paint for the chubby burb, but think he forgot to grease down for arrow. John, P25. 
Yeah, this race was a poster child for why we need stages in these long races. And I've never had a strong opinion about that, but now I do. We had only nine cars finished on the lead lap. Uh, first pit stop was under green. I was in ninth at the time, and somebody wrecked me in the pits, and, and I couldn't get my pit stall. I had to go back on the track and come right back in and do it again. That put me a lap down, and I never recovered from that. Uh, first caution was on lap 45, and I got a passing under yellow penalty, and I still don't understand how that happened. But then that put me two laps down, and we didn't have any cautions for another 135 laps. Hence, we need stages on these. Field was so spread out, there was no chance to catch anybody. And to be honest with you, I, the most boring race I've ever been in. Yeah, it was just not fun. It wasn't awful, but it just wasn't fun. Absolutely hell no to the stages. I'd like stages in these full distance races. Um, special event, man. I would yeah, yeah. Yeah, just in these. I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but when you've got a 500-mile race, I mean, man, this just gets boring. Are we gonna do? Are we gonna change the system and add points to to the stage racing? And are we gonna calculate that into the drop weeks? It's the whole point of stage racing was to get the people to race harder, not not just get them to not just give us a caution and natural cautions. I, I I don't I still don't really like the stages in real racing, but they're at least almost they're all full-length races at least um no we're already bad enough and cause enough cautions usually just because you got unlucky one time doesn't mean everybody that has damage deserves a chance to get back in at, with stage breaks right and then joe owen ran with us he was wrecked out saturday fix john p5 yeah, I started P12, and, and because of that debacle in the, the open race, I just said, you know, heck with this. I'm going to start in the back, avoid the wrecks, and it actually worked. We had nine cautions. I was in 15th on the last lap when the front runners decided to have the big one. Uh, I just passed the junkyard of wrecked cars and made it up to fifth place. Now, I don't like laying back like that, but I knew it was the only way to get a decent finish considering all you know what had been going on at daytona that week uh I, and, I, and i'm david i'm with you on it i mean i i'm not i don't have a strong opinion about stages but you know when you have to build a strategy around wrecks and and to get a fifth place finish because i did that it's not because i was good but it's because i'm i'm figuring out when people are going to wreck i mean there's got to be a better way, but I'm happy with that finish anyway. But your your strategy is still a gamble because they could just as easy finish clean and then you're all the way in the back or stuck a lap down. Um, in the splits I'm in, you can't lay back usually. One of the, and and as a result, we did we had a lot of people just finish on the lead lap because that was the people who were fast, right? And we literally just lapped the field, and not because they were wrecked out. Um, and I think. I want to see more of that almost old school racing where long run and, and being able to put together consistent speed instead of just hot lapping all the time is what matters. Moving on to Sunday open, I got a P14. Had an up and down race. I actually led laps for a while. It was green forever. At one point, I actually slid through the pit road box 
lost the pack. I eventually caught a caution that saved me. But after that, just getting caught up in other people's issues and wrecks and wasn't a great finish. Chris Waldron, P20, went a lap down under green and missed the lucky dog four times. David, P19. Another one where I ran all the way up in the front, but kept getting caught up in, in incidents, including one where a guy just barely touched me because I had to check up because another car nearly wrecked and flew back up on the track. So I get off the, I get off the brakes and just barely scrape the, or I get off the gas, barely scrape, scrape the brakes, and the guy just barely taps me. Not an unreasonable, he wasn't paying attention kind of anything. And 4X, and it, it all just added up. I'm coming on the outside with a shot for the win, actually, and the guy on the inside gets a bad bump and hits me, and it gives me 18X, crossing the line. Bang. Justin, P32 again. Green flag run, lap 125, we go in for fuel. The guy behind me runs me over on entry going into the pits. I managed to keep it straight, hit my box. On the exit, the same guys behind me straight up runs me over on the exit of pit road. And I hook right and junk my car. Adam Jocelyn wrecked out. Tony wrecked. You know when you tell someone to stop slamming your ass and they wreck you? Yeah, that was me. Brian uh, wrecked uh, by a lap of Brian Curry, wrecked by a lap car. Greg wrecked late in the race. Moving on to Sunday fixed, P2, my best result of the week. I was running third on the white. I had a run on the top two. I went high on them and at the line, I lost it by maybe a foot. It was a pretty uneventful race otherwise. So we were just riding, um, but I was in position to win. I, I I don't know who was watching Brad. I think you might have been spotting that, or no, maybe it was Brian. But uh, yeah, I almost won it, so feel pretty good about that. Uh, Justin ran. He got a P4. He said stayed conservative. I was desperate for a good finish. I led 11 laps. It was a solid finish. I will take a finish like this anytime. All right, let's move on to Atlanta Dega. Uh, my race, I got caught up in the first caution, which was David. I was right behind the two people who sped out, uh, two and a half minutes optional. Uh, the next job, uh, I, the next time I uh, got ran over from behind for another 4X, and then I got destroyed when somebody else basically brake checks, and I get ran over from behind, and the car gets heavily damaged, no caution. Total shit show from that point forward. I ended up with a drive-through penalty and eventually DQ'd out with three to go. David, P12. Yeah, it was a pretty infuriating race where I stole a not terrible finish. Uh, I, wanted, I would like to see a better finish, but um, I was in that first caution. I was qualified like p5 p6 and at one point a guy passed me on the under the red line at, in atlanta and he thinks it's not against the rules i let him up i didn't have to because my only other choice was to let him wreck me so i could protest him i think I, that that's an issue that i really would want want to be dealt with they, if they make an unsafe rejoin whether it causes a wreck or not it needs to be protestable and it, it may be, it may be not. I don't know if the question come up. Um, that forced me three wide into a bunch of mess. And as I'm trying to get back into position, I finally get in line in the outside line and I'm, I'm getting back into a rhythm. Then there's just a hard checkup and I can't avoid the guy in front of me. Uh, I get, I tried to avoid him to the inside and, and end up hooking him. Uh, then just back and forth on the race. I think I was even a lap down at some point. Uh, 
and survive for for uh, P12 with again 16x, one of them from a wreck, another one from somebody else's wreck, and two from from just bad bump drafts. Bump drafting continues into the second week. Uh, Justin P30 uh, ran the race in the top ten half the race just got caught up in somebody else's wreck nothing i can do i've dropped 400 i rating in two weeks because of these speedway tracks i guess i got to get better and stay up front brad p19 yeah started a, a p5 and was kind of the i guess the odd man out um you know while we were running you guys were having all kinds of issues and we ran first 55 laps green uh race was going great you know frustrating race because you couldn't go anywhere a lot of side drafting um you know we we got till about lap 100 and then the yellow started and then we finally had the big one um got caught up in that one and ended up by the time we got going you know made a pit stop and pace cars you know nobody can get caught up on these tracks and that's even more frustrating you know you got to get in and get damaged fixed and guys just lollygag around so you can't get in you know i literally get into my pit stall and the pace cars you know coming out of four um so no option to, to really get much fixed. You know, ended up finishing a lap down, just a, a really frustrating night from what seemed like it was going to be a good solid, probably top five, um, but no incidents. And, and just, uh, you know, I, I just let not my cup of tea when it comes to this kind of racing. Just, I don't enjoy it. Daytona, you can at least kind of hide and avoid it. Uh, Atlanta, you, you can't, you, you just, you're in the middle of it. You're stacked up and guys just drive like morons. Pass. There's nowhere to pass. I mean, you, you double up. No, I mean, and you got guys that are trying to stay on the lead lap, and we had a guy that just pulled up in front of everybody and caused a wreck last night. You know, I mean, it's just an excuse is, well, I'm going to stay on the lead lap. Okay, well, you're an idiot. I mean, it's just, you know, there's just some things you don't do. You know, if you're lap down, I'm not going to pull up in front of the traffic just so I can try to avoid losing another lap. I mean, it's just it's mind-blowing sometimes. Well, the, pr the proper thing to do if your car is not broken is what I did because I did get a lucky dog. I stayed low, but on the red line. And, and at some point, somebody fussed about it. And I said, I said say, hey, look, I'm not just going to pull pull down and let y'all pull away from me on the draft. I didn't block them, but I stayed low. I, I kept enough of my momentum to be able to latch onto the pack. And as a result, I stayed in the lucky dog position. That, that's fine you, mm -hmm. you just don't pull up in the middle of the traffic you know it's just again it's just it's we're back to racecraft there there is none and it's extremely frustrating and listening you know i was just getting more discouraged listening to you guys talk and i was in a lower split than y'all and uh, you know and i said at the beginning of the race i can't wait till i can get my uh, you know my rating back up so i can race with you guys and it was just a complete crap show with y'all that's the track it was a mess that's the track. I agree 100%. 100%. It, it's the track. That's what I said. The, the real season starts next week. We can actually race and get away from people. And setups make a difference. And your driving makes a difference. And I, I just I want to have these two weeks behind us. I gave it another shot today and Thursday open. I was riding along in 10th, approaching green flag stops. The front group decides to pull in. Some loser doesn't realize it, and he shoots from the bottom to the top and destroys everybody in the outside lane, including me. Um, and so I didn't even finish the race. I ended up with four minutes damage and rode around a few laps and parked it. 
you know, and that brings up a discussion we had in the chat. You know, what are we? Just the third year of the new Atlanta, and you still don't have the right pin entrance. You know, where you're pitting off of off a of three. Um, I think that would solve a lot of problems. So you're saying the real track does have that? We just don't have the updated scan. I, I don't. It's not really need a scan. I you just need to put in. You, you have know. to set up a blue cone. Or, yeah, that's or, all you need. Like, you just have to. But you have to put the speed limit there too. I don't think the speed limit goes that far back. In 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 real Na, in the real NASCAR, they just have to. They just have the commitment line there. That's yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think you had to be at pit road speed when you're going into three, but there ought to be a commitment there. They ought to be able to do that. I, I just can't imagine they couldn't do that. Again, we never had to pit on the green last night. And I was so grateful for that because I knew it was going to be. I knew it was going to be exactly what happened to you, Mike. Yeah, I was. I was in a good spot. I didn't have any incidents. I was in the lead pack. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Let's talk other racing. I ran the FIA F4 at Okiyama. The sim would not load and crashed at 90%. Now that's the first time I had a problem since they got rid of the website. I finally hit launch again and it ended up crashing the entire computer. My like my whole computer turned off. Uh, and then after the reboot, my computer went into Windows Update. And I had to re and then it rebooted again and, and even more updates. And then by then I, I was P7 as I missed qualifying. Uh, you know, the, it was an eight minute qualifying and a three minute warm up. So I was able to grid uh, from seventh. And I got to, um, well, let, let me see how this said gridded P7 as I missed qualifying and got to 12th by lap one, seventh by lap three, and went on to finish the race in P5. So, anyway, a nice P5 after having computer problems at the beginning, missing qualifying. Um, I like this car and I can't wait to try it in the rain. Uh, Brad, you ran B and C. Yeah, I ran a, just a mix of both of them. Never really got a great finish again. I would have good runs and, you know, you end up getting caught up in somebody else's mess. It's Daytona. So, like I said, just glad to see it in the rearview mirror. And Chris Waldron, Road to Pro, P15. The early big one on lap 17, green flag the rest of the way, lost the lead pack on the pit stops, ended clean. He's 435th in the points. All right, Chris, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody's doing it. And then Brad A open, P14. Yep, decided to run a uh, an, an open race, I think last, I guess before the Daytona, maybe. I don't remember now. Again, Daytona. Um, started P2, you know, ran up front, just again, very aggressive driving. I mean, we're three and four wide off a lap, at lap seven. Uh, ended up getting spun off, turn two, lost strap, hit it by myself, got the lucky dog, um, ended up fighting back. Um, you know, it's just, it's Daytona. So another one where I should have had a, a better finish, but didn't. And then John, you had B open and C open. Yeah, B open, qualified P5, finished P5, stayed up front the whole race in the, in the B open. Good, clean race. You know, it was one of those usuals where at the end of the race, some guy tries to go in the middle of two cars where there's no, no hole, but I didn't lose the spot, so I got a P5. Then I did a P19 at Daytona in the C open. It was going ninth moving forward, but it was short-lived. On lap 11, I'm on the inside line. The eventual winner is right next to me on the outside in turn three. He decided, hey, I want that guy's spot, so I'm just going to knock him out of the way. And he did. 
He said, told me a spotter said he was clear, but if that's true, he was using the Stevie Wonder spotter pack. Never fails. The guy who wrecks me always wins or finishes in top five, but, you know, whatever. And then did a P8, got to race with teammate Bobby Jonas. He and I were together and we were strong. We're running third and fourth. Leaders decided to pit. Bobby and me decided to stay out one more lap, but some guy came up on the outside lane and decided to pit with the leader. So he just took a hard left right into us, took us out, but we came back and made our way up the lead pack, got a P8. Yeah, where can I download the Stevie Wonder spotter pack? That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Brian McCubbin didn't qualify, started towards the back, got near the front, was wall slammed on the outside by a car that got turned on the bottom, worked on damage until cautions, uh, but was off pace. Got damage fixed by last caution, which was green, white checker. Restarted 17th, got through all the trouble, and wound up in an embarrassing third place. Well done, Brian. And then Brian also ran OBRL ARCA, Las Vegas, 35 cars, P16, qualified 17, stayed in uh, mid-pack, but moved up just outside the top 10. Cars wrecked in front of me late in the race, was okay to finish, but dropped to 16th. Okay, final thoughts, David Hall. So there's an eclipse coming up that's literally passing right over where I live. Uh, I've already got my binoculars with solar filters on them and i've bought a bunch of stuff for my car to sort of turn it into a camper because i'm going to uh if i have to chase the weather i'm not going to have to worry about a hotel i'm just going to go sleep at a gas station somewhere um but i'm also planning on trying to use that to camp at races as well so i'm putting a, a, a feeler out to the uh discord community to let me know what you know about swamp coolers and other tiny air conditioner options for 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 a car, um, I've been looking into it. But according to swamp, according to the research, swamp coolers are not good in humid air. And where I live, it's always humid. So uh, let me know what you know. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, Brad Wren, final thought. Uh, just looking forward to uh, Bathurst on Saturday. So we're gonna we got a three three driver team. We're gonna go ahead and give it a give it a go. Um, you know, challenge and race. Um, two guys that don't have a lot of road experience. Uh, Justin Pearson and John Curley. Justin did great at uh, at, at Daytona and really kind of came into I think his own. Uh, this will be the first one for John. So again, it's all about fun. But you know, again, we're all competitive. Uh, we want to finish well. So um, I think it's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, looking forward to that, and then just just happy to to get back to a regular track starting next week on the uh, the NASCAR uh, iRacing series, and uh, we can start to let the season start, let the field start to to thin themselves out as guys you know can't stay hooked up and everything else. So uh, just looking forward to that. Yeah, very good, John Curley. Final thought. Well, yeah. Uh, so you know, speaking of eclipse, you know, I went to school and grew up close to Carbondale, where the center of this eclipse is—the last one and the next one. So I'll be there for that. Uh, but looking forward to Bathurst. I've been practicing. I'm not a road course guy, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, ready to get Daytona and Atlanta behind us, like everybody else. All right. And then my final thoughts, uh, it's not a great start to the season. I mean, P6 in Daytona in the open, uh, P2 in the fixed, not too bad for Daytona week, but Atlanta, two DNFs in a row. You know, I, I didn't even finish. And so I'm really hoping for a good result Friday. 
Um, now that I'm off on Sundays, I'm probably going to start running the Sunday morning races. Uh, man, that's pretty early to get up in the morning on a day off at 8 a.m., but I'll, I'll probably do it unless I have a really good result on Friday, but uh, still hoping for a good result. I know there's a lot of negativity about Atlanta and the racing, but I, I'm not trying to buy into that. I'm just, hey, I need those points. There's points on the table here. Remember, I finished second in points last year. I got to do better this year. So every week counts. Uh, it's too early to be giving up drop weeks. So with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.